Samuel said to the sons of Israel, This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. I led, I brought up Israel out of Egypt. I saved, rescued, delivered you from Egypt's control, hand, and from the hand of other kingdoms that were troubling and oppressing you. But now today, you have rejected your God. He saves, rescues, delivers you from all your troubles, calamities, disasters, miseries, and problems, distresses. But you said no. We want a point set, a king to rule over us. Then Samuel said to the people, come. Let's go to Gilgal. There we will again promise to obey the king. Come on, let us go to Gilgal. There we will again, there we will again, there we will again promise to obey the king to renew the kingdom. Lift your hands, everybody. Father, we ask you now to take these moments as we're standing in your presence. May we once again promise. May we once again commit ourselves to obey. To obey the King. In Jesus' name. Let your word go forth in these few moments we have in Jesus' name. Let it change us. I'm hungry, God. I'm ready. I want to go deeper. In Jesus' name. Take your seats, everybody. Wonderful guys. Thank y'all. Amazing. Yeah, come on. Let's appreciate our beautiful creative arts and more so, let's appreciate the presence of God today. In the passages we read from Samuel, 1 Samuel chapter 10, there's a terrible disparity or a drastic difference is most obvious between what the Lord had done and what Israel had done. Time and again, the Lord had proven himself to be the one, capital O, the one who saved Israel from all. The scripture says from all. Not just a few, but from all. Their troubles, calamities, disasters, it lists them. Their troubles, calamities, disasters, miseries, problems, and distresses. God said, I delivered you from all of those. You see, the source of their trouble and hardships was Egypt's control. According to this passage, the source of their trouble and hardships was Egypt's control and other kingdoms, according to verse 18, 
other kingdoms, everybody say other kingdoms, that were troubling, oppressing you, the scripture says, from which God faithfully delivered the people of Israel. And you know how they responded? After God said, all, all, I delivered you from all, not just a few, all the troubles, calamities, disasters, miseries, problems, and distresses. The nation responded by demanding a king over us as a replacement for the Lord. There's a disparity here between what God had done and what Israel had done. There was a certain madness in Israel's heart here. It doesn't, it doesn't add up. For all that they had done made no sense at all. For what they had done in crying out for the Lord to replace, to have the Lord replaced, it, 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 doesn't, it doesn't make any sense. And particularly the other kingdoms, the other kingdoms from which God had delivered them, they were ready to fully embrace, and not only fully embrace, they were ready to emulate. We know this because God's people had betrayed themselves with these words in 1 Samuel chapter 8 and verse 20, that we also may be like all the nations. Look at that, all the nations. God said, I delivered you from all the kingdoms. I delivered you from all their troubles and distresses and miseries and problems and persecutions. And I delivered you from all. And how did they respond? We want to be like all the nations that you've delivered us from. What? Listen, Israel's desire. I've been pointing this out for the last couple of weeks. Israel's desire to have a king was much more than rejecting God as their king. Israel's desire to have a king was much more than rejecting God, Jehovah, as their king. I'm going to take this a step further. Listen to this. Their demand for a king was in fact a desire. Now you got to get this. It was a desire to no longer be the Lord's people. Not just no longer desire Him as their King. They don't want to be His people. This phrase, like all the nations, that phrase reveals the heart of the matter. I defined, I looked up and began to study that phrase, like all the nations. You're not going to believe this. When they said, we want to be like all the nations, here's what it means. To be alike, look at this. To be alike by sharing a common history, culture, society, religious worship, and purpose for the present and the future. What? All of those kingdoms that they had been delivered from we want to be like them, Egypt included. Let us make a captain and return, they said earlier. Let us go back to Egypt. It's, it's mind-blowing. Look at this. To be alike by sharing a common history. How could God's people 
share a common history with heathens. To share a common history, culture. It's so sad if we fast forward to our day. How much pressure there is for you and I, God's people, to share a common culture, the common or a culture that's common in with the world. There's so much pressure, society, religious worship, and purpose for the present and the future. What was Samuel's response? Samuel's response was, come, come, let's go to Gilgal, and there we will again promise to obey the king. The root problem here, you're in disobedience, and it's caught up in the nation we got to go and renew the kingdom. So today is part three of renewing a kingdom-principled life. Renewing a kingdom-principled life. 2021 for NLC is a year of renewal. A year of renewal. Oh, do it in us, God. Renew us. Bring us back. Let us come back to that place of obedience. Let us come back to that place where we rid ourselves of the world and it's it's the pressure, the culture, uh, the, the pressure that's on us to conform to its culture. Now the word renew, which Samuel used here, let us renew the kingdom. The connotation of that word is something already established, but which subsequently had deteriorated. It had already been established, but it had deteriorated. It needed to be restored to its original position of influence and strength. And for Israel, this renewal and restoration was to transpire at Gilgal. Come, let us go to Gilgal to renew the kingdom. Gilgal represents spiritual renewal. And this is where we're focusing on in this series. Let us go to Gilgal. By way of reminding you, Gilgal was the place of national transformation as it was the place of circumcision. It was the place of circumcision of all the men who had grown up during the 40 years of wandering in the wilderness, thus renewing the earlier covenant with God. We read that in Joshua chapter 5. You can read around verses 7 through 9, Joshua 5, 7 through 9. That's where the transformation took place. Make sharp flints, sharp knives, and circumcise the men. And that was a day of transformation because they re-entered covenant with God. So to renew a kingdom principled life, number one, return to the place of transformation. And for us, that place is the cross. That's where we come and we receive circumcision of heart. Our covenant is no longer based with God as in the Old Testament with the circumcision of the flesh. Our covenant, the new covenant, is now based upon the circumcision of the heart. And that transpires at the cross. Last week from Joshua chapter 4 verses 19 through 24, we saw that at Gilgal, 12 stones were taken from the empty bed of the Jordan River. And those stones were set up as a memorial, 
memorial stones for future generations who asked. For future generations, for when your children ask, what do these stones mean? They would be told of God's miraculous power displayed in opening the Jordan for Israel to cross into Canaan. For what purpose? That they might continue to obey the king. That they might continue to walk in obedience to the king. That the future generation, the next generation, upon asking, it would be told by their parents, this next generation would receive impartation from their parents and guardians. This this next generation, and I want to just tell you right now, future generations are asking. The next generation are asking. Right now, there's so much questioning going on in the world. Right now, people are investigating. The next generation is investigating, and we, the people of God, who are standing upon the bedrock of truth, we had better hold our course and we had better stay focused because people right now are going online. They are listening. They are watching. They are questioning everything, questioning our faith, questioning it, it, the Listen, this is so important right here, future generations. It's interesting to me that God said, Future generations will ask about these stones. And right now, there's so many voices, there's so much attraction. So many of our young people, so many of our next generation are being swallowed up. They're being caught hook, line, and sinker. The deconstructionists are very much at work based on questions of our faith, people no longer satisfied, no longer embracing. May God help us to be renewed that we will once more obey the King, that we will once more. Come on, come on church. And I'm just going to stand and preach it today in the name of the Lord. I'm going to need an extra five minutes put on the clock, please. I'm so sorry, but I'm not. Because I'm addressing something that is absolutely, it's absolutely emergency. So that they might come to believe. Why? Why? Why were those stones set up? So that when your children ask, when your children ask, and they're asking right now, when your children ask, you will tell them that you saw the presence of God. You, you saw God opened the Jordan, you saw the power of God so that they might come to believe and obey and maintain their faith in Jehovah. In scriptures, or in the scriptures, stones often represent bedrock truths. We learned this last week, the bedrock, the foundation. When you build a building, you go down to the bedrock, the bedrock truths upon which our beliefs and our life is founded handed down to us, handed down to us from generation to generation. Nothing's changed. Nothing's changed. It's the same. The stones taken from the Jordan River represent the simple elemental truths that form the foundation 
of our spiritual life and our faith in the kingdom. This is so vitally important. So to renew a kingdom-principled life, number two, return to the basic beliefs and teachings of God's Word. We've got to return to the basic beliefs. We concluded last week's message with this statement. Look, the foundational truths, principles, and beliefs that drew you into this new kingdom way of life, these are the stones of Gilgal to which we must return again and again to be renewed in the kingdom-principled life. This is the old, old story. These are the old truths. These are the ancient of days. These are the, these are the truths of, upon which we have been founded. And listen to this. These truths we must return. They're the stones of Gilgal. What do these stones mean? Come, let me tell you what they mean. Their meaning has never changed. Now, Amy and I were talking, and Miss Amy just really encouraged me to take a take a few moments with you today in this closing, in these closing moments or in our time together. And, and just review some essential beliefs. You know, it's, 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 and she was sharing with me, you know, we can all say yes and amen, but what are some of these essential beliefs, you know? Are we to just, and she really talked to me, it's so wonderful. She said, are we just to leave people to go and get their own essential beliefs? Oh, that's where we're going wrong right there. Thank God for wisdom. Thank God for wife and godly wisdom. So I'm going to present a few, and I want you to listen. i got a lot of scriptures, so just write them down. Just write them down. Thank you. I want you to write these scriptures down, but here's the first essential belief, and I want you right now. Come on, Lighthouse. I love you and everything. I want you to let me preach. Will you let me preach for the next seven or eight minutes? Can I really preach? Truth number one, Jesus Christ is the only way to eternal salvation with God the Father. Essential belief and principles of our faith. Number one, Jesus Christ is the only way to eternal salvation with God the Father. The Bible makes it very clear that there is no other name and no other way into the kingdom of God other than through the name that is above all name, the name of Jesus Christ and His sacrificial death on the cross. If any other person or if any other church ever starts to preach, I'm repeating, if any other person or if any other church, I don't care how fancy their buildings may be, I don't care how impressive their YouTube presentations are, I don't care how well-dressed and how impressive if any other person or church ever starts to preach that there are other names or other ways into God's kingdom other than through the name of Jesus Christ. My counsel to you is run for the hills. 
My counsel to you is to give no attention. My counsel to you is to give and make no association. Come ye out and separate yourselves, says the Lord, and I will receive you. For if they preach any other name, if they preach any other way into God's kingdom, they have fallen into serious error with God the Father. Acts chapter 4 and verse 12, write it down. No one else can save us. Indeed, we can be saved only by the power of the one named Jesus and not by any other person. Give Him praise today. Give Him glory today. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 5 and 6, For there is one God and one mediator who can reconcile God and humanity, the man, Christ Jesus. He gave his life to purchase freedom for everyone. This is the message God gave to the world at just the right time. At just the right time. John chapter 14 and verse 6, Jesus said to him, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. What's his name? Now I want to break this down a few more minutes as a result of the first sin of Adam and Eve. We have all been born into this world in sin and in iniquity. The word iniquity means wickedness. No one has to teach us to think wicked. No one has to teach us to act uh, sinful. It's just, it's just our nature. We're born with the nature. I have five beautiful daughters and one awesome son. I never had to teach any of them to lie. They all did it naturally. Some more than others. Some were very, very good at it. But mama could always tell. They would get away with dad, but not with mama and them. I'm telling you, it just comes natural. Out of the cookie jar. No, ma'am. Did you eat peanut butter from the peanut butter jar? No, and there's peanut butter all in the tea. Who taught her? We are born with a fallen, sinful nature. And as a result, no one is truly righteous or in right standing with God. We all need a Savior. We all need to be free from peanut butter. We all need to be free from, from, from lying and stealing. and We all need to come back to obeying the key. So God the Father sent His only Son, Jesus, to pay the full penalty for our sin by dying on the cross. Jesus Christ is the only way to salvation. Secondly, here's the second essential truth. And I'm just touching on these, but if you get a hold of them, these are going to form pillars in your life. And we must return to them again and again and again, especially in the world in which we live, especially in the day in which we live. We have to return to them again and again and again. Secondly, the Bible is God's inspired word, and it is true. The Bible is God's inspired word, and it is true. 
Every one of us who entered the kingdom of God, we did so because we embraced by faith that the Bible has come to us directly from God. Every one of us who entered the kingdom of God, we did so by embracing the, by faith the Bible has come to us directly from God the Father through the Holy Spirit. Scripture is the Heavenly Father's revelation about His nature. The Scriptures, these are the, uh, these are the revelations, the Heavenly Father's revelation about His nature, His plan of salvation, and His dealings with mankind. The Bible is the final authority on life. The Bible is the final authority on faith. The Bible is the final authority on salvation. The Bible is the final authority on conduct of the believer. And we can trust that it is without error. We can trust that it is without error. One of the biggest deconstructionist arguments is that the Bible is filled with errors. And uh, I was reading this. Oh, let me not get into it. It's the final authority. The Bible is the final authority on life, faith, salvation, and conduct. And we can trust that it's without error. You know, there's two reasons we can trust that it's without error. Number one, God inspired every one of its writers. God inspired every one of its writers. And secondly, God protected its being handed down to us throughout history. God protected his word being handed down through to us throughout history. Second Peter chapter 1, verses 3 and 4, Jesus has the power of God. 2 Peter 1, 3 and 4, Jesus has the power of God. Who has the power of God? Jesus has the power of God by which he has given us everything we need to live and to serve God. We have these things because we know him. Jesus called us by his glory and goodness. Through these, he gave us the very great and precious promises. And with these gifts, you can share in God's nature and the world will not ruin you with its evil desires. Buddy, there's power in the word. There's saving power. There's keeping power. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, every part of scripture is God breathed and it is useful one way or another, showing us truth expressing, uh, showing us truth, exposing our rebellion, correcting our mistakes, training us to live God's way. Through the word, we're put together and shaped up for the task God has for us. Church, the Bible is God's word. The Bible is the truth. During the trial of Jesus Christ, Pilate interrogated Jesus about his kingdom. Pilate, the governor, interrogated Jesus about his kingship and about his kingdom. In his response, Jesus affirmed the spiritual nature of his kingdom. And he told Pilate, this is why I was born. And for this, I have come into the world to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth, who is a friend of the truth, who belongs to the truth, hears and listens to my voice, to my voice. And to this Pilate cynically, he cynically answered and said, what is truth? Look at me, please. That same cynical attitude. What 
is truth. That's what the next generation is after, is asking. What is truth? Oh, I believe in the hearts of many in the next generation. It is a genuine desire. It is a heart cry. What is truth? But I also believe in this hour, this same cynical, confused dilemma pervades our culture today. It is, it even, it is even common in this day for some people to flatly deny that the truth exists. In the church, in your church, in my church, that the truth flatly denies that the truth exists. Look at me, please. The denial of truth never extinguishes truth. Come on, somebody, you need to encourage me here. The denial of truth never extinguishes truth. Let me, let me illustrate. The story goes, here's how the story goes. Back in the 1980s, when the Libyan embassy was closed, when England closed their embassy in Libya in the 1980s, Muammar Gaddafi, remember him? Muammar Gaddafi became so angry that England closed its, its, its embassy that he ordered the removal of England from all the maps in Libya. For many years following, if you purchased a world map in Libya, it no longer showed England. You know what you saw in place of England? You saw a brand new arm of the North Sea. Where England was, that all became the North Sea, bordered by Scotland and Wales. Guess what? England has always been. And it still is on the map. Can we celebrate England today? Even though they lost the World Cup, I mean, they lost the whatever cup it was to Italy. They're still there. One man's anger had no effect. One man's action had no effect on the truth. A very powerful man, an international figure, ordered all the maps to remove England. It had no impact on the truth. Come on. Thirdly, there is only one God. There is only one God who expresses himself in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. This is the basic doctrine of the Trinity upon which we stand as the church and which is coming under tremendous attack in our day. The concept of the Trinity is supported in numerous scriptures, including Jesus' baptism, when all three were present. Matthew chapter 3, verse 15, Then John baptized Jesus, and as Jesus rose up out of the water, the heavenly realm opened up over him, 
And he, who is he? Jesus saw who? The Holy Spirit descend out of the heavens and rest upon him in the form of a dove. Then suddenly the voice of the Father shouted from the sky saying, This is my Son, the Beloved. My greatest delight is in Him. Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, all three are one, all three seen at the baptism of Jesus as John baptizes Him. The Trinity is seen in the Great Commission in which we are told to make disciples and baptize them in one name. Matthew chapter 28, verse 19. Now wherever you go, Jesus said, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. The three in one. The three in one. And finally, I finish the Lord is the creator creator of all things. The Lord is the creator of all things. I've got to finish with this one. And I want you to see that there are four of them. And these are like an insight. These are like the four pillars of the table upon which we can stand and upon which we can uh, come back to that place of obeying the king. Listen to me. The Lord is the creator of all things. As his creatures, we exist for him and through him, and he has the authority and he has the power over us. I'm repeating this. As his creatures, we exist for him and through him, and he has authority and power over us. 1 Corinthians 8, 6 says, Yet for us there is only one God, the Father, who is the source of all things and for whom we have life. And one Lord, Jesus Christ, through and by whom are all things and through and by whom we ourselves exist. Listen to me, church. Listen to me as I finish. God is not simply a greater version of us. You need to hear this. You need to hear this. This needs to get into your spirit. When you start turning on and start listening to all that's going on out there, you could easily become become convinced that we and Jesus, me and God, you know, it's like we just are on the same plane, on the same level. Listen, God is not simply a greater version of us. He is totally in a different category. He is at a totally different level because He is self-existent and most importantly, He is the source of life. Isaiah 55 verse 9 says his ways are higher. Isaiah 55 verse 9 says his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. His ways are higher than our ways. Listen, we are totally dependent upon God for our very next breath. God forbid that we just seek to become like other nations. God forbid that we just seek to begin to think like other nations. We are a people chosen and called by God. We've been called out to come out and separate yourself from among them. Oh, listen, church, if any one of us is being tempted with an other kingdom mentality, everyone stand to your feet, please. 
If anyone in this room is being tempted by an other kingdom mentality, a kingdom out of which we have been delivered, we've been brought out, we were miserable, we were in trouble, we were having all kinds of problems and situations living in the other kingdom. But there may be those here today, if you're being tempted with another kingdom mentality, or you are being tempted to embrace, you are being tempted to embrace a mindset to become like any other nation. Through social media, through what you're watching, through what you're listening to, you're being tempted. All kind of questions, all kind of questions are popping up that's confusing you. All kind of questions are coming and they're, 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 they're unsettling you and you're just really struggling. Listen, if you're being tempted to embrace a mindset to become like any other nation, being tempted to become like the world, let us arise. Let us arise. Come on, nobody's going to rise for you. Let us arise, each of us, and return to Gilgal. Return to obey the king. Return to that place of brokenness that we once were. Let us arise and let us go back to Gilgal. Let us go back to that place of rolling where the reproach is going to be rolled off of us. Let us once more become the people of God in this hour. Let us return to the stones. Let us return to the stones of Gilgal. Let us go back to the stones that have been placed upon which we have been founded. Let's forget all of our fancy all of our fancy ideas and all of our fancy answers and let's arise and go back and let the Holy Spirit once more begin to pour into our life. Let the Holy Ghost once more begin to cause His Word to come alive in us. Let us receive once more the spirit of obedience, the spirit of obedience. Let us rise once more as God's people, as God's chosen people, and let's invite the Holy Spirit. Put me in remembrance. I invite you, Holy Spirit. Put me in remembrance of the truths upon which I have been founded. Oh, ancient of days, put me in remembrance. Put me in remembrance of that joy I once had. Put me in remembrance of that peace I once had. Put me in remembrance of your word that delivered me from my troubles and my oppressions. Put me in remembrance. Let me go back to Gilgal in Jesus' name. Come on, praise him, church. Praise him, church. Give him glory, church. Pastor, I've been one of those just asking so many questions, and I've been just caught up in I've moved away from those stones and I've just, I'm just investigating. I'm looking into all these things and I want to go back to Gilgal. I want to go back to just that foundation. Yeah. Lift your hand as we all just bow our heads. Come on, everybody bow your head. Just lift your hand right now. Uh-huh. Come on. 
There's so many in the next generations lifting your hands right now. See them all over this house. Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. We need you. God, more than anything, I want to be. I want to be. With you, I want to be. I don't want to be like Israel, no longer part of your people. It's bad enough rejecting you as king, God. I don't want to walk away from you. I don't want to walk away. I want you in my life more than ever. Forgive me. Forgive me. Forgive me for questioning your word. Forgive me, God. Forgive me for questioning the truth of your word. I take authority right now as the pastor of this house, one of the pastors of this house. I take authority over the spirit of deception. We bind the spirit of deception that's falling upon us, your people, and we rise up today. Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit. Reconstruct. Reconstruct what has been destroyed by deconstruction. Reconstruct. Bring us back to the foundation in Jesus' name.